Hey Atari Hackers, welcome to this podcast episode. In this episode, we are talking about link building and how Mark and I have changed the way we're doing link building on our site. So in this episode, we're doing a bit of a walk back. We have said some things in the past and we've changed the way we do things on our site and we actually have found better results. So we're going to be sharing exactly what we've done and why we've changed things in this episode. I've even grilled Mark quite a bit, so he gives us a lot of details on how you can take this and do this on your site. But before we jump into the episode, I want to announce that Authority Hacker Pro, which is our flagship program, is going to open its doors for the first time this year on April the 16th, 2023. In case you don't know, Authority Hacker Pro is the program where we share absolutely everything. There are hundreds of videos divided in dozens of blueprints where we share everything you can think of in terms of link building, in terms of content creation, in terms of funnel creation, in terms of email marketing, and anything you can think of that could help you grow your authority site. It also comes bundled with one of the most advanced communities you'll find on the internet. We have thousands of people in there, many of them making really good money with their authority site, sharing tips that you won't find anywhere else with each other. Now, I'm not going to give you a wholesale speech. Go on authorityhacker.com slash pro. Sign up for the email list if you're not there so that we can let you know when it's opened. Now, let's get started with the episode. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome to the Atari Hacker Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about link building and more specifically, we're going to be talking about our position on link building. If you have been following the podcast for a while, about a year and a half ago, we kind of made the announcement that we were done with doing just free outreach and we're going to start paying for links because everyone's asking for money for links. Fast forward to today, we're barely ever paying for a link anymore again. And so the whole point of this podcast is to tell you what the hell happened through that year and a half and how our link building has changed throughout that time and to give you some practical tips on how you cannot pay for links and why you may not want to pay for links most of the time. So in this podcast, I'm not going to be talking that much because Mark is taking care of the link building in the company. So on top of asking him how he's doing, he's going to be talking a lot about that. So how are you doing before we get started? How am I doing? What yeah. kind of question is that? That's blasphemy. I demand to be asked a true question. How is going? How is it going? How is it going, Mark? Still don't have an answer for you, I'm sorry. Uh, okay, well, thanks for that's very useful. I think we're losing so many people on this opening on the podcast. We really need to uh, do that. And actually talking about the opening of the podcast, we need to shout out that we have a launch for Atari Hacker Pro starting next Sunday, where we are going to be putting a bunch. How many lessons have you recorded about link building that you're going to be adding to HPro this time? Was it at 29, 30? Yeah, so like we have a big revamp to everything link building coming to HPro. We have a big new section on AI that we're going to be talking more next in the next podcast. So I'm just teasing you on that. I might drop you some hints if you talk about AI in this podcast. But yeah, we have two big new sections, both on link building and on AI that are coming in HPro. In HPro, you will get more information about this on Sunday. So watch out for our emails. If you're not on the email list, go on the slash subscribe. And you can put your email in there to make sure you receive the emails, basically. So a year and a half ago, we were like, we're going to pay for links. We're tired of this. We just want to build more links. And now we're not really doing this anymore. So, so what happened? So we had sort of handcuffed ourselves by taking this stance of, oh, we're never going to pay for links, try and be in Google's good books. And what was happening is many of our competitors in different industries in fact, most of them were paying for links and had no shame about doing it. So we were kind of getting left behind a little bit in certain aspects of, of link building. So we decided, like, let's give it a go. Nobody seems to be being penalized or being hurt for this. 
let's see what happens. So we opened the floodgates to doing that. And initially there was some pretty decent links coming in, link opportunities that we previously had to say no to, but now our team could could start saying yes to. So we were very happy and like suddenly went from a trickle of links coming in to say somewhat of a wave of links coming in. I think we were getting What's a wave? 30, 40, 50 links a month type thing on on some sites. For one site, yeah. Okay. Yeah, which is a lot more than we were getting previously. And we tended to do at that time a lot of shotgun style outreach, mass outreach, where we were reaching out to hundreds of different people every day in a sort of less targeted way. And yeah, we we had some initial success, but then things started to go a little awry. How long did this go for? How long did the honeymoon period last? I mean, really a couple of months. We thought it lasted for longer because the numbers of links we were getting in each month for the next nine months or so uh, was constant, like 30, 40, 50 links a month. That was very normal. And the DR ranges were good. Uh, at first glance, everything seemed above board and, and seemed fine. But there was a time last summer, I think it was like July, August, when we started looking into it a bit more. And we'd seen this kind of gradual or not so gradual in some cases decline in the quality of links that were coming through. When we first started paying for links, there were maybe one or two sites that you think, oh, maybe the, these sites exist purely to sell links. Towards the end of that period, it was like, actually, if you look deep enough, most of them were were like that. And I think that's sort of a reflection of the industry, SEOs, site owners, agencies, we're all demanding links, 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 and we're willing to pay for it. So sure enough, there are people that spring up willing to supply, supply those demand, links. Yeah. And if all your criteria is, you know, DR 60 plus and a thousand plus traffic or something, then there are ways to manipulate those things, drop domains, these fake keywords on the Ahrefs that have tons of volume, things like that. And sure enough, more and more sites, there was an entire industry developed out of doing this. So it's kind of like PBNs reborn, you know, it's like... Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it's many of the same people who ran PBNs and, and there were to be fair, very well run. At first glance, and the average, even beginner SEO probably wouldn't have been able to see what's going on. You really had to dig like two or three levels deep to discover all this, the kind of shady shit that they were doing. I think we covered one of such site in the past called soup.io. It's like a DR, what's the DR the site? Let me check. It's DR78, but only gets six traffic according to HS. It looks like a magazine or something, but it's, I think it used to be the domain of a popular text editor for coders, like Beautiful Soup or something like this. And, um, and now it's just been transformed into a glorified PBN on a high DR site. And that gives you an idea of like the kind of sites that Mark's talking about, basically. And there was a lot of that. And these sites are here to essentially supply the backlinks demands of high DR backlinks, even though obviously, like if you're DR78 and you have six traffic according to Ahrefs, you're probably not a site that is doing very well according to Google's book. That one's not even particularly well disguised. Nah. Well, you know, six traffic, everyone would see through that. But you're, there are sites with 100,000 plus traffic on Ahrefs, but I suspect they don't get anywhere they don't get anywhere near that. So they're, they're, they're being really well disguised. So all this happened, I, I think we'd like burned all the low hanging fruit for where there were, there, were, there were sites that were selling links and were still real sites, like decent sites. And there's a very, not very many of those. And then we were on to basically, because we're pushing numbers so much, we're on to just pure 
link farms, not not necessarily all link farms, but sites which were had maybe started off intending to become a mummy blogging site, but then a few SEOs got in touch and then they realized and there was more money to be made and she's a casino links. link farm now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really, really common because you can make a few thousand dollars a month from a medium DR site and doing something like that. And you just can't buy affiliate links to a few products here and there if your traffic's not that high. Exactly. Yeah, it's the easiest way to make money if you have some DR, basically. It's a business model, basically, at this point. So, I mean, it was a real problem. When we looked through it in more detail, we're like, okay, this is actually really, really bad. And partly this was our fault, my fault, for setting up this criteria of, oh, let's let's try and get 30 this month or 40 the next month and really pushing the numbers, numbers, I always numbers. argue with you on that, you know, on your like exact numbers of goals, etc. <laughs> it's like you, you do, but I remember when we had this this discussion at the start, it was your also your idea to like go down this, this path. Oh, for sure. And I think I agree. having been down it before back in our agency days, it's very difficult to manage a, a big team um, when you when you have I think as long as of, you put um, number goals and you put dodgy stuff, then you know it's going to go down the drain eventually. If you say you can pay for links, but there is no quota, but they need to all be better than links you wouldn't pay for, it's like then then it might actually be better. But like I think mixing both is really the recipe for disaster in a way. It's you know? still still very sub- the problem is it's very subjective. Yeah, yeah. Um, what what you said there and the default tendency is okay. Well, let's say if it's dr this and above with this amount of traffic, then it's okay. But we've seen that that's not the case because there are guest post farms that have yeah, those yeah. fake those it's fake metrics. And, and at stuff. the same time, right? It's like it's when core updates were kind of like rolling really fast. And it's like not many people talked about this, but one of our suspicions was that, I mean, core updates means Google reevaluating all ranking factors, right? And how they rank pages. And so it doesn't exclude a backlink play. And so we, one of our suspicions was like, oh, what if all this stuff is tied to backlinks? And I think that's what started giving us a little bit of like cold feet, seeing like lots of sites like not doing so well that are in the ESU industry. And like on the other side, the more legit sites that don't do kind of aggressive link building tended to be more stable. I think that's when we like started questioning what we're doing, even though we did okay. Like overall, it's like, we're like, are we going in the wrong direction? Is this us in six months, you know? Yeah, usually in these circumstances, you want to look at the sites that are five times or so bigger than you are. What are they doing? And very few of those sites were, in fact, none of those sites that we could tell were doing big link buying campaigns. However, they were doing a bunch of stuff that we weren't doing related to link building. So we decided maybe we should step down this path instead. I think the thing with this, the thing is like I was thinking about this. So what we did instead is we basically looked at linkable assets and like this kind of like real campaigns, etc. And basically semi-digital, I would say digital PR almost a little bit. The problem with digital PR compared to like paying a service or paying uh, whatever is that when you go to a service, you're like, hey, I want 10 backlinks, DL50 plus, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you give money, you know what you're getting. You get this kind of like uh, linkable assets based campaign. You know how much money you're spending, which is usually more. You have no idea what you're getting in exchange. It's like sometimes it works, many times it doesn't. And you're like, you have to accept the uncertainty of that way of building links in a way. And especially at the beginning, I think your hit rate's probably lower than average. And so like you tend to it tends to be deterring people who have never done it because of that, basically. It's a, it's you're trading certainty for uncertainty in a way, but you also, on the other hand, you get more certainty on the stability of your rankings that you trade for the uncertainty of your rankings when you buy links, basically, you know? 
Yeah, so th- this kind of all came about for many years before that, we'd been doing sort of sniper guest post outreach, but only a very little amount because the time it was taking to send 20 emails was massive compared to what it was to send, you know, hundreds of emails with a shotgun approach. And yes, okay, you know, you're reaching higher quality sites, there's more research, the links that you get at the end of it are really good. But it just the time to reward ratio wasn't amazing. It was good in some cases, but it wasn't amazing. But what that did is it really honed and developed our skills in writing, first of all, researching the prospects we're outreaching to, and writing really good outreach messages, which helped us with our templated based shotgun stuff. But just in general, helped our our kind of sniper outreach, helped us to hone our skills there. Now, the missing link in all of that was that once we had those skills to write a pretty decent outreach message that would capture attention, get a reply, is that when we then applied that to something like a linkable asset, then it really just kind of 10x the results we were getting and suddenly made all this effort worthwhile. And I think we saw that first when we did the uh, Authority Hacker link building survey in 2022. This wasn't our first time doing this type of content. We'd done it on a number of other sites before in, in different industries. I remember the golf site that we sold, we did one there on like coronavirus golf rules oh, yeah, and yeah. things like that as well. Scotland versus England or something. <laughs> yeah, we, it, it, I thought it was quite interesting, but it just it didn't really resonate, didn't, didn't work too well. We got like you know, three or four links out of it from, from a few like tier three newspapers, but nothing, nothing special. So anyway, this time we're like, we know link building quite well. We have a, a big audience, uh, which fortunately we can use to, to do a survey and to get some really interesting insights. And we also have some questions. You know, we were curious how many people are actually paying for links out there. What percentage is it? How much are they paying? What tactics are they using? These, these kinds of things. Like We had a sense, but we didn't really know 40, 50, 80, 100 um, to those, those questions. So we made a survey and it was really rough and ready. We, we, weren't, we didn't go through this with like, a, here's what we want to do at the end of it. They were just like, oh, let's throw a bunch of questions we think might generate some interesting insights. And then we sent it out to our audience. We offered an incentive to complete it. I think there was one person won a prize. We offered either a, a consultation with you and I, like a call or a goodie bag. And we got, I think, 750 odd people reply and fill in the survey. And there was 20 questions, 25 questions. So spent a bit of time and, and we did some analysis on that data. First of all, we didn't really have a team in place to to no. produce the content around <laughs> it. So it was messy. It ended up taking like two or three months to do all that. So we, we thought, oh, we'll send the data to a data analysis and then the data analysis from that person to a writer and they'll just write it up. But because we weren't clear about what we we're looking for in the end, there was a big mismatch there and it, it didn't really work so well. That was a big takeaway we we had. And I'll get on to, to some of the things we, we, we learned from that. But basically it ended up that um, Milosh, our, one of the guys on the link building team who, who did the survey initially, ended up doing all the analysis and coordination on that. And I wrote it up. Uh, I wrote the article uh, on Authority Hacker. I had, added my own insights and what what does this all mean type type stuff to it. So we had that and then we we promoted it. We used all our social media. I think we talked about it a little bit on the podcast before. We shared the insights on our email list. Uh, it made it into a bunch of our other content as well because the data is actually really interesting. We did a statistics page for it as well, no? Uh, maybe we'll talk about this later. Yeah, so when we generated all these, these numbers from the survey, obviously some of that were could be construed as link building statistics. And we had, I think, three or four years ago now, Stacey McNaught on this podcast, and she talked about doing statistics pages 
And we had this in the back of our head the whole time, like we got to do some statistics stuff. So we knew that if we had our own unique data that no one else had, that we could also create an even better statistics page rather than just rounding up what everyone else had on there. So we did that as well. As we released a survey, we started doing outreach for this. And this is when we started using all of our sniper outreach tactics that we'd been been learning. So it wasn't just that, oh, let's send the same email out to everyone and ask for a link to it. We would identify specific statistics and specific themes that we talked about. So for example, uh, we had this question about nofollow links and what percentage of people think that it has an effect on on rankings. And it was a really high number. I think it was like 90, 90 something percent. So we found whenever people were talking about no follow links and do they have an impact on the SERPs? And then we would create, a, it was sort of half templated, but we would then heavily customize the introduction part and the kind of attention grabbing part. And we would reference what they'd said on their article and be like, you know, you mentioned this, we actually have some data on it. It was just released. No one else has it. Says that, you know, here are the numbers on it. And we even had a little graph with the, the sort of pie chart of answers. And the response was incredible, like really, really, really favorable. And that was the sort of point where we were like, okay, we're, we're on to something here. Often when you do a campaign like this, you can get a, a real sense for whether it's going to be a hit in the, in the first of 10, quite quickly, 15 yeah. emails. We were getting responses from people like, I never, ever reply to these types of emails, but this is really interesting. Thanks. I've added the, your graph to my article and linked to you as, as well. And so we just did that for quite a while and ended up getting a ton of links to it. Those links to the survey and to the statistics page help those two pages to rank. So we now currently rank number one for link building statistics and for survey, link building yeah. survey as well. And so now that we rank for those, people are looking for statistics when they're writing articles for link building and then they'll find our stuff, quote us, and then some of the people are nice enough to link back to us as well. Another thing I want to say as well, the statistics page, we actually faked it till we made it. We actually bought ads for the statistics keywords until it ranked number one and that landed us like a few links because it's really low impressions these keywords like really like the cost per month was like less than a hundred dollars for like multiple statistics keywords and the thing is like the people who search for this they're they're looking for a quote like they're looking to like they're, they're often content creators looking to quote something to give some anchor to an argument they're trying to make in a piece of content so uh, sometimes it's private you know they might be just sharing it on a private slack or something but sometimes it's public and we got links so like this site this page the statistics page not the survey which has the most links has links from like singlegrain.com and a bunch of like the r80 plus sites uh, for from ranking so it's actually now a passive link earner for us and that's quite nice to be honest it's nice to have achieved that yeah and when you think about it i guess you could say you know we are paying for links in a way because we're paying for the the google ads to be number one and then get, it's it's more an indirect way but we're still throwing money at the problem but what was i think most impressive in the initial campaign was the quality of the sites that we were able to reach out to. So with all our shotgun campaigns, we would always cap it at sort of DR 65, 70, 75. We wouldn't reach out to anything higher. But with this one, we were almost exclusively linking out to those types of sites. So we, were, we got like a, it was like a DR 90 link from WordStream and a DR 79 link from SerpStat. 
um, two, two pr pretty big sites in our in our industry from the initial campaign, from the initial cold outreach. So that was that was really Ahrefs cool. Ahrefs as well linked to it. UpCity, DR84, SE Roundtable, DR84. There's a few of them in there that weren't like Ahrefs. We we obviously know some people over there, so we we sort of mentioned that, and they're like, okay, yeah, cool. If if it comes up, but like SE Roundtable was a good one, for example. It's like one of the best news sites in the industry, and it's like I don't think we were quoted very often. I think that was a new linking domain for us as well. So that was a good one. As I mentioned, though, there were a few big takeaways from this. It was the first time we've run a ran a survey, and there, there's a whole industry around writing surveys and phrasing survey questions. And there's people whose job it is full time to just create surveys. So we actually consulted with one of these people the next time we did a survey. As we're filming this podcast, we've just finished doing a a big AI survey. And I think we might be able to talk about that in the next episode. So subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. And that one absolutely blew up. I think 3,800 respondents. It's a big survey as well, like 26 questions. And it's the biggest uh, one in AI and marketing together, basically. Like It's going to be the biggest one in the industry. But there are some really interesting subtleties in, in what the consultant we spoke to told us. So in the first survey we did, often we'd ask a question and there would be five answers. Totally disagree, somewhat disagree, neutral, agree, and very much agree. I'm, I'm paraphrasing there, but five options, one of them in the middle is neutral. So she suggested try doing two options, sorry, four options, two, like one really negative, one slightly negative, and basically no neutral one. And so what that does is it forces everyone to, to take a side, a polarizing side. And so you get more interesting insights into how people really feel about, about things. And you don't have that kind of like safe middle ground that people can click. So there was, and there was a bunch of stuff also came up about just how we were phrasing our questions and not giving people examples of what being very satisfied of something might mean just in case they didn't fit exactly into that box that we were sort of creating for them. So that was super helpful, as was one other thing we did. So in the first survey, we gave out a prize, like one person would win a prize. But in the last survey we did, yeah. we did that. But you also created a lead magnet, a lead magnet essentially. Using my email marketing wisdom for surveys, basically. It's funny because I've never seen that before. It's like it baited a lot of people to fill it out. Like it was just like nine pretty good AI prompts. Uh, not as good as what's coming in HPro, but pretty good still. And yeah, it got a lot of people, it baited a lot of people in there, especially on Twitter. A lot of people like this on Twitter. And it's like the angle was much stronger because it's like if you do ads for like, please fill the survey, like why would I fill it? And it's like for a tiny chance of winning maybe something. It's not the best incentive, but if you have an ad that says, well, when you're done filling this, you're getting this for sure right away, you don't wait. I think that was a pretty strong one to get people to fill that survey. So I was I was pretty happy with that. I'm happy that it worked out because it's not in a textbook of surveys for sure. Yeah, that was a that was a big one. We'll definitely be doing that um, next time we we run one as well. So yeah, I mean like lots of learnings from this and it's been massively successful. When we when you actually compare the amount of links we've gotten both from the initial like active campaign and then even in the last of 6 months or so passively it's like more than the entire amount of links we built manually to our site last year, like in the previous year. So once you have a few of these start stacking up, that's really how you, you know, 10x your, your link building potential. And don't get me wrong, it's expensive to run these. The first time you do it, it's a bit messy. It took a while. It was a, a big 
learning curve for us. I don't know if you include all the like staff time and, and all that, yeah, but it's tricky. between five and ten thousand dollars, not including any of my time. Doing I mean, that. it's not crazy. Like I see, you know, PR agencies, like there are PR agencies that advertise on like Facebook groups about SEO, etc. And it's like a campaign that they tell you is gonna get probably on average like 10 links costs like 5,000 pounds, for example. So like, it's still like a better deal given how many links we got. It's like, I feel like we just probably put more effort in this than we would have had if we paid the service to do that. Oh, massively. Plus, we've also developed the competency, n- not just with us, but like the, the our team who are working on it as well are now really good at this. So uh, that's that's been hugely valuable for, for us as well. And, uh, um, and your budget counts uh, ad costs, which I don't think they would have uh, in there. So it's like, I'm just saying, like, just to compare to the market and, and give an idea to people. So I have a question as well. Like, you mentioned that you did these kind of like very specific outreach emails that were very targeted to people, et cetera. Did you use AI to do these? Because I use AI for outreach emails now. And it's, it's provided you give enough context and you collect enough data, which sometimes you can do with like Bing, for example. Like Bing is like a chatbot connected. And you're like, oh, collect me a bunch of information about this person or like what do they like, et cetera. And it will actually find decent stuff. It will check their social media and so on and do that. So did you use any of that? No. So this was in June and July last year when yeah, we were okay. still on GPT-2, which wasn't really No, we were on GPT-3, but we were not on ChatGPT. Yeah, yeah, sorry. And so that was a, what, it just wasn't realistic to, to do it back yeah, it then. wasn't that good. However, the game However, has changed now. <laughs> the game, uh, okay, so what happened? GPT-4 happened, basically, and it is just incredible. So we currently, the way we do it is we still do the research of mm. the, the person we're, we're reaching out to. Maybe need to come and help that. And here's the thing, like with guest posting, where you're not, you don't have a piece of content or a linkable asset, which is the focus of your conversation. Entire way that you're grabbing their attention and getting them to read your email is through some connection that you've you've made with them. And while, yes, you can use Bing to source this information, I think there's still... Bing doesn't know anything about you in the same way that it's able to make those those kind of connections. So I'll give you a good example. Like we were doing this, this one of the guy had on his site that the best yo-yo trick he knew was, I forget what it was. It's been 25 years since I've used a yo-yo. So it's, nowhere does it say on the internet that Mark Webster likes yo-yos or knows how to use a yo-yo. But I had one when I was, you know, 12 or something. And so I was able to make that connection like, oh, actually... That's something I could I could talk about, and so I, I actually led me down this YouTube rabbit hole of searching out old fifteen year old YouTube videos on yo yo tricks and remembering okay. um, the glory days. <laughs> so, okay. the, the, well, did you, you send can, an email in the end, or you just played with a yo yo? So this, yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, by the way, I'm just I'm just just quitting this to become a, a professional YouTube yo yo instructor. Okay. So. But the point I'm trying to make is that you're looking for this really subtle, often very vague connection that sometimes you have to kind of like manufacture a little bit. I'm not saying straight out lie that you used to like like yo yos in this case, but an AI isn't going to have the reference information to make those connections. Sometimes it will if it's uh if you're doing this for a linkable asset like hey authority hacker talks about no follow links you uh, in a statistic you talk about no follow links it's an easy t- connection to make but in the case of cold sniper guest post outreach when you have like not really too much upfront value to provide then it's it's more challenging. So all that's to say that we we currently don't use ChatGPT or Bing even um, to to do that initial research. However, we use it a lot to write the emails. 
and it is phenomenal at it. Like it's so, so, so good at writing sniper outreach messages. So I just finished filming the Sniper Link Building Blueprint. It's out in Authority Hacker Pro this coming Sunday, I believe. So ch check it out next week if you're, if you're interested. So but, there's an AI falling building in there, basically. It's so embedded in all the processes um, that we construct our research in such a way that you have to kind of label it. So who are you? Who is the person you're reaching out to? What are they like? Um, you know, what are, you, what are the connections? That kind of thing. And it, even if you don't fill it in like fully, it's still really good at like bridging the gap between those two things. And th there's a few subtleties you have to do in your prompt. So for example, you have to say that if you just ask it to write uh, an outreach, a link building outreach message, then I think all its reference data is like, dear sir, I would like to request a guest post on this. So it kind of tries to be similar to that. So you have to be very explicit in saying, I want this to stand out. I don't want it to sound like a normal link building message. It should be very personalized. It should be funny and really give it context like that. And then it's it blew me away with how, how good it was, honestly. Been very impressed. You know, it's like I, I was just searching on being some like personal facts about you actually to just see how much I would come up with stuff. You haven't updated your LinkedIn profile. So he says you, you're from the UK, but live in Budapest, Hungary, which you don't anymore. His first digital business, uh, digital marketing agency when he was 23 years old. He sold an ag his agency in 2015 and focused on building authority sites full time. He loves traveling, skiing, golfing and playing poker. I'm not sure about that one. <laughs> Definitely don't like playing poker. I'm so bad at it. I just got all in the first round and I'm a fan so. of Star Trek, Game of Thrones, and Breaking Bad. So, I've never seen Breaking Bad, so that's not true. But yeah, the other two are correct. Okay, we need to stop this podcast right now and go watch Breaking Bad now because uh, that's a bit of a crime, to be honest. Okay, well, like, yeah, it's cool. Like, I uh, I use it as well. Like, it's it, it's pretty good at finding connections. It's not perfect. As you can see, it can get stuff wrong and you might just miss. But overall, the writing of stuff, the writing of GPT-4 is better than probably 95% of people I've ever worked with in editorial. 99% so. of, uh, in terms of email outreach. If you say, if you ask it not to sound like a normal email outreach message, it just does a really yeah. good job of doing that. So it's like, um, but I'm happy you kind of like embedded that process in there. Anything else about surveys? No, we'll have, obviously have more next week. As we were doing that, and because the, the actual producing the survey took us so long, we actually started working on another uh, tactic at the same time, uh, which was to develop uh, a tool. So we've done podcasts before where we sort of reviewed sites that had these calculators for something, or a very simple tool where you input something, it does a calculation and gives you some kind of output. And we're like, we could totally do something like that for Authority Hacker. There's tons of these little processes that we as site owners need to do that we could speed up. And you know, we've we've built a few of them for Authority Hacker Pro before, but we've never done one with the explicit intent of making it about link building or acquiring links to it. So we came up with this idea to do one for link building. So at the time we were doing a lot of shotgun outreach, one issue we had was tools like Hunter and Snovio would sometimes give you a first name, but not always. And often it was possible to infer what the first name would be from the email prefix. So mark at authorityhacker.com, you could pretty much safely assume that the first name would be Mark. So we had a process before where we do like a VLOOKUP on a spreadsheet versus a census database. And we've talked about this before, but we wanted to automate that and build a tool to do it. So we did. We hired a developer and it cost, I think we spent probably $2,000, something like that, building it. It's, it's not too complicated. 
The hardest part of it was actually figuring out the logic in our own minds about what would happen if you had, you know, Ed versus Edward versus Eduardo and where would it, how would it decide which is the, the correct one? Because they can kind of overlap a bit and it can get a bit murky. So we built this tool. We sent it out to a bunch of people who were either had um, link building agencies, ran link building processes for other companies, or we, we identified this, this trait of people who had tried to solve this problem in Excel with a formula or some kind of script. And there was a bunch of Excel uh, sites, often like discussion-y type, uh, like Stack Overflow type uh, sites where people were, were, were talking about this. And we're like, we have the perfect solution. Surely all these sites would love to feature us and link to us and, and do all that. And we reached out to all these different types of people, reached out to our friends that ran link building agencies, and the, the response from the people that, that we knew was like, oh, okay, I'll check it out. Never really hear yeah. back from too many people. <laughs> they never heard it. And everyone else, everyone else was just like not interested or, you know, the standard, oh, yeah, we charge $250 a link, like normal link building type responses. And so it just fell flat on its face. And I, I don't even know if we built a single link to, to that, maybe one or two. But I think the idea... Behind the angle of the we're tool, go, we're, we're gonna run another tool soon. Like I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna say more, but we have another tool coming out soon, which I think is gonna be a lot more popular. But really, Mark's dream was really to just like put his face on the homepage of a tool like Neil Patel. That was really the only reason he built that tool. But otherwise, yeah, it's like we have another tool coming up, so hopefully we'll have a more concrete case study on something like this. We do. I mentioned the hoops geek all the time, but they have actual tools there as well on like making game plans for basketball, etc. And it's like it's not like a home run always. Like some of these tools are, don't have that many links, but they do have quite a bit of good links. And it's like when you look at the, I mean, obviously excluding AI, when you look at the cost of paying content writers these days, sometimes building small tools is not that much more expensive compared to like building a ultimate guide or something like that. And so I, I kind of like compare it to that. And I think um, I think on that level, then then tools can often do better. And, and especially in the age of AI, I think tools will be almost more important slash powerful to build than maybe these ultimate guides and so on, because obviously... It's not not sort of being released uh, next week and with the pro launcher or anything, but I believe you're also working on a, a new case study. Uh, series of case studies on on exactly how to do all these things as well. There's a few of these things, yeah. Like so, some of the statistics pages, for example, uh, tactics. Like I show how to set up the ad campaigns, how we did that, how we optimized all of that for which countries, etc., to make sure it's only like people who are likely to link to us. I document the building of the current tool, so I'm gonna finish the case study before we release that, and that's why it's not released yet because I'm actually running all case studies and all case studies course basically, which uh, in each of them, it's like unique ways to build links slash grow your site that are a bit creative, a bit more creative than uh, than process oriented sometimes, um, but that can yield high returns. And so like I'm, I'm just missing the tool case study now. And so I'm actually doing it. I'm literally, I spent five figures building a tool <laughs> to just, uh, it's like, that's how I started. I was like, okay, let's like, we need to nail the tools. We nailed the surveys. We nailed the statistics pages. Let's nail the tools now. And so like, um, and, and it's, really, it goes. it's really interesting, right? You know, we, we literally spent $10,000, $12,000, I think so far on this, this tool. More than that now. <laughs> and it's, it's not, not a small amount of money, but 
when you look at the potential in terms of how much links some of these tools can bring in over a multi-year time, when you divide that that cost by the number of links, the cost per link is like, it's still way okay, better yeah. than you're going to get by paying for high-end links these days or you know going to an agency that can get you DR 80, 90 links kind of thing. So sometimes you have to like invest a little bit to 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 get some results. I think in in this one, we're definitely investing in our education as well. It's something that we're like, and it's like, I'm documenting the whole thing as well. So it's kind of interesting because I'm like, really like, I want to like nail down the process of this. And so I'll be, I'll be sharing that for for like the people who have access to this training, but it's going to be quite interesting. And I'm, I'm fairly confident this will gain some traction because it's around a pretty hot topic these days. So I'm not going to say more. I'm not going to reveal what the tool is so someone builds it and releases it just before me. So I won't say it. So you're talking about crafting these like unique messages and making them like special for people, etc. Can we walk through like properly? How do I do one of these? How do people make these fancy? And and, and how much more replies can I expect compared to like a shotgun email? So you can expect about 50% of people that you message to reply to you. That's Some of them might just politely say no thanks, but 50% versus, you know, 1%, 2%, maybe if you're lucky with a, a, a shotgun style outreach campaign these days. So it's significant. It's obviously a significant amount of extra time to send each additional email. So, you know, you have to, to weigh up that. So in terms of crafting it, as I mentioned before, you obviously want to do uh, some really thorough research and you need to find some something unique, something that you can hook onto about their personality. Best place to do that is honestly like they're looking at their their site. Their author bio usually has some some cool things. Maybe their about page if it's their own site. How about Instagram? Yeah, check their Twitter. There's usually a link to their uh, like Twitter or social media accounts there, and you can kind of troll that for, and you can sort of troll through that for some some interesting insights and, and whatnot. I mean, we go really far with this. Like sometimes you won't find anything on the site, so we'll use Snowvio to find their LinkedIn page, and then on, on the LinkedIn page there'll be a link to their personal blog, and then on their personal blog in some hire me section there because they used to be freelance, there'll be a link to their resume, and then on the resume there'll be a bunch of stuff they've done and we find some some insights there so we're spending a decent amount of time going through to find something that we can latch on to it can be a couple minutes if it's really easy to find and it's very obvious what's the longest what's the point where you're like you know what i give up 20 minutes or something probably in which case it may be like a fake persona it's a bit bit of a ghost so yeah that that does happen once you have that information you want to find a way to bridge yourself your personality your site with with them now I'm not gonna lie, we exaggerate this sometimes. I talked about the the yo-yo example. I had a yo-yo when I was in school. I didn't play with it very much or whatever, but I I had one, I knew knew a few tricks. But you don't have to say like, oh yeah, I was really into yo-yoing when I was a kid as well. That's so cool, we could talk about this some more. That's (laughs) that's like a little bit disingenuous, (laughs) a little bit weird as well. It kind of, the truth of that situation is it, it kind of, brought back some sort of nostalgia with me and I I genuinely did sort of go looking on YouTube at some yo-yo tricks and like, oh, that's kind of cool. So I just said that in the message, just ended up down a YouTube rabbit hole looking at the walk the dog and around the world yo-yo tricks and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's it's a good enough hook to kind of get your foot in the door. Remember, you're competing against 99% of people out there who are sending the same templated, dear sir, how yes, much sir, for a yeah. guest post 
messages. I think ChatGPT can write a dear sir email, maybe? For sure it can. Well, they don't work for, for this <laughs> okay. type of average, at least. <laughs> well, that, that would be funny. That's all. So once you've done that research, you need to find the contact. Again, we spend a lot more time finding the right person at a site to contact. This can be a little bit more challenging if it's a big site, you know, if they have 500 people working there. So the way we typically do that is actually using Snovio now because it ha it's better than Hunter because it, it think connects to LinkedIn, pulls everyone's job descriptions. And typically we're looking for people to work in sort of content marketing, content editor, editor type type people. These are the people who have the ability to accept these guest posts and these, these things. Depending on what type of outreach you're doing, you know, if we're trying to do a testimonial, then we may use Snovio to find someone that works in the customer success department. So it's really quite, quite powerful for for that. Once we've identified them, once we found the, the email address we want to send to, we're using BuzzStream these days to do most of our sniper outreach. It's just really good to coordinate all that data, that research in one place, and the, the sequences that it can build are really, really powerful. And yeah, it just, just works very well for research. They have this BuzzMarker plugin, which means you can browse websites, but also has like all the data fields at the side. So you can put all the research notes and stuff in there, which is which is great. So once we do that, we craft a subject line. Again, subject line, use AI. It's just going to be better than than you are at this this stuff. Uh, in, in this case, I think it came up with, uh, actually, no, it was, I came up with this manually. It was like, walk the dog around the world and into your inbox. So that walk the dog and around the world are two yo-yoing tricks. So I, I think that worked out right, actually. But uh, AI is, is just better at this than, than humans these days. The email you want to be sending should have two sets. Keep it short, first of all. Even if you're asking AI, the message that it produces is going to be way too long. So you have to say, make it very, very short, only two paragraphs. Give it very clear instructions not to make it long. Otherwise, it'll, it'll, it'll be way too long. So the first section is grab their attention. So you continue that yo-yoing joke or whatever it is. Uh, and kind of just expand on it a little further and then explain, hey, I'm Mark, I run Authority Hacker. I never say I want to guest post. We try and elevate the language here. So we talk about doing like a content collaboration or writing a piece, which is like journalistic language for an article instead. And that seems to kind of resonate better with people. Yeah, and help you need to change your out. language. Like if you talk like an SEO, you're trashy. If you talk like a journalist, you're classy, and people will actually pay more attention to what you say. Actually, that rhymes really well. I'm going to get that on a t-shirt. That's talk from like GPT. <laughs> no, that's, that's not actually. For once, I actually came up with something. So, so you, you're probably familiar with guest post outreach, where you know you pitch them three different potential topics, and if you are going down that route, then ChatGPT is great at doing it, obviously. But we don't pitch them a topic. We'll hint at a potential topic area that we might go into and we'll mention something that puts us in a position where we have a unique ability to deliver something excellent in that area. So it could be that we just did a $100,000 site flip and we got some really interesting insights on a certain part of affiliate marketing from that. Or we've just done this survey of AI and we got some really interesting insights into this that's related to your industry. So offering them something somewhat unique, whether that's our experience, unique data, something of value that just 
sort of whets their appetite enough to be like, okay, I'm going to respond to this person and just see if there's something there. Because once you start talking to people, it's much easier to figure out what each of you want. Sometimes it doesn't even go into as far as doing a guest post. You're both into SEO and then you might do some kind of like link exchange or cross promotion activity or whatever else it, it might be. So what happens when you can't reach an agreement for a guest post? Like how does, what do you get out of this? What do you mean? Well, you were saying like sometimes it doesn't, you don't get a link or something like this. So what? No, no, no. What, what I mean is sometimes you don't have to ask to give for a guest post because they'll just give you a link where you want. If you give them a link from your site or from another site that you're guest posting on or whatever, it depends on how much, how SEO savvy they are, which most people you're going to be outreaching to these days will be. So the amount of guest posts we get from positive guest post interactions using this this method, it's like 10 or 20%, maybe the other 80% that we get a link from end up being some other kind of exchange. To date, I don't think there's been any money-related ones this level. That's not to say that we're against paying for links com completely. Yeah, what's I mean, the final stance now? If there was a really good... If there was a really good site, was like clearly had high quality standards, wasn't letting in loads of people like, look, you know, we do this, but you have to pay a sponsorship fee of 250 bucks or something. And we looked at it, we, we would be okay with doing that. I know it's against terms of service at Google and stuff, but we would. We haven't done it for this type of link building, but we, we would absolutely do it. So I, I'm not hating on paying for links. This, yeah. It's just that it's a, it's almost like the thin end of this wedge and there may be a few good opportunities to begin with, but very quickly you end up with like guest post, guest post farm or you know something that looks very much like a guest post farm or will look like one um, in six months time. So paying for links in terms of spending the time or investing the resource to do lots of highly targeted outreach, to build linkable assets, to invest in technology, to develop tools, things like that, we have found has generates a, a higher return. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically that there's not enough good sites to buy links on, basically. That's what you're saying. It's like most sites that sell links, they're pretty shit. And we're not happy with their quality. Therefore, we just don't even do that anymore. And we had to find other ways to find links. Yeah, so there's a couple of examples of, of guest posts we've gotten. One is on mangles.com, DR81 site in our, our industry. Another DR81 site is Zoic as well. We've done a guest post on there as well. So this is very high quality, legit sites. Not the type of sites that would ever take a guest post or get All a link, link. from... Yeah, from paid outreach or even any kind of shotgun outreach, you need a very high quality message that you're you're sending out and, and some kind of way to hook them in and, and show that you're gonna offer a lot of lot of value. So yeah. Yeah. The thing as well is like I think once you reach a certain point with your site, you kind of need to change gears, right? I think that what's quite important is like the shitty guest posts on DR40 sites, they work fine as long as you're a small site. They will lift your rankings and people will be able to show you results with that. And they are correct. This work. But after a certain point, when you reach a certain level of authority on your site, you're like DR65 plus type thing. Really, these links don't move the needle that much anymore. Like adding another DR35 link to your site, even 40, 50 from a shitty site, honestly, it doesn't move the needle. What moves the needle is like these super high authority links. Like you don't need many of them, but you need them to exist. And the problem is, I'm sure there are some link sellers that will sell you like links on Forbes or whatever, and they might help these links. But I don't like the idea of keeping spamming average quality links to your site anymore. And I think to that extent, something like uh, HFDR is a bit deceiving because it will keep increasing. But quite often you'll see sites DR keep increasing and the traffic stay flat. 
quite often if you look at the curves. So you basically see the site keeps doing link building. They build a bunch of average links. The DR is increasing in Ahrefs database, but you are not increasing in traffic. And that's usually a sign that you need to change gears. And that's essentially these things that we're talking about and how we've documented that is the gear change you need to do when you hit that point. We're not saying that even shotgun for at the beginning of a site, etc., doesn't work anymore. It does, and you'll get some like average quality links. But honestly, it's hard to get super high quality links when you're a brand new site anyway. But yeah, after you hit that plateau, then you will need to completely revamp the way you do links. And that's how we've found that we were able to essentially go past these plateaus when you reach mid-level of authorities on the site, basically. Would you agree with that? Yeah, there's this sort of concept in SEO of nobody knows exact, the exact combination of how much of this you should do and how much of this you, you should yeah, do. So, so you should really just do all the things. I think especially if I was starting a new site today, I would absolutely do some shotgun guest posting. I think that's the best way to really just get some initial link velocity going and move the needle to an extent. But as you said, you Authority Hacker is nine years old at this point, coming up for it. Happy birthday. But we've had other sites as well, like that were in the R60, 65, 70 range. Then it's like we got flat, you know, it's like we were unable because we changed, we didn't change gears. We were still doing the same stuff. Like it wouldn't go past that. And I think like this is the way. The way is like you need to change to this app. It's good. I'm just saying that along with the new Mandalorian uh, season where they say this is the way all the time. But anyway, it's quite important to do that change because building a few shitty links to your site, a few average links to your site at the beginning, it's positive, but accumulating a lot of them on an aging site is usually what will trigger, I mean, I can't say for sure links will trigger problems, but these are the sites that will have problems eventually. I want uh, to offer, I, want, I think it's important that we make a distinction here because I think there's, there can be a tendency, you have a tendency to kind of lump anything that's like a DR60 below guest post as like a shitty link. But there, there's a very big difference between a DR40 site from a real site, a link from a real site, versus a mummy blogger that sold a few links versus someone that's made 50 near identical sites with fake keywords and just selling the uh, casino links. Like those are all very different things. And I'm not saying you need to have no standards when you do link building initially, but I'm just saying you can probably be a bit more lax than when you grow because the thing is like eventually these links have no impact when you grow anyway. So it's like, you just need to be very selective and just go for the absolute best links. And even if your volume of links decreases, like you'll still do okay, because it's easy to build a lot of average links at the beginning, but it's hard to build lots of very good links later. And in general, if you've grown the content on your site, you're building these passive assets that hopefully generate some links for you to kind of compensate for the drop in volume from your active link building. And that's kind of like the natural curve of a site. And I feel like it's something that we didn't address as well before. And I'm quite happy that you've added that to the course, actually. Yeah, the truth is like we've been playing around with this for many, many years and we've had some success with it, but it's only really in the last sort of six, nine months or so that we've pulled it together and we've really started like seeing things taking off and, and having a lot of success with it, especially the response rates and, and all the stuff from the, the link of assets as well, which is why now is the time that we've pulled this all, all together in the, the new Cypher link building blueprint, which is out on Sunday as part of the upcoming Authority Hacker Pro release. So you want to tell us more, a little bit more about what's included in Authority Hacker Pro? Authority Hacker Pro is basically our most advanced training package. There are hundreds of videos that you will find that are divided into blueprints that specialize into several things. So Mark, for example, just released or is releasing 
the sniper link building blueprint that will show you uh, all these kind of like advanced link building tactics for more advanced site we have. You know, when we talked about doing shotgun at the beginning, we have a blueprint that talks about that as well. We have blueprints that talk about running your email marketing. We have blueprints that talk about funnels. We have blueprints that talk about a bunch of stuff. And so Autoya Hacker Pro is the combination of that. And it's a choose your own adventure type training with hundreds of training videos across dozens of blueprints. There is a community that is also very active. We have a template library where you can copy paste all our templates. Like there's hundreds of templates in there. You know, your, the outreach emails, for example, they'll probably be in there, the ones that you were mentioning. We have prompts for the AI blueprint that is also going to come out with this new version of Atari Hacker Pro. We also have pre-made uh, WordPress blocks for affiliate sites, for example. So you can have like these kind of like comparison tables that you can put on your site that are optimized for CRO and so on. And you also have on top of that, you have a community. So we have a community that is pretty active on Facebook that you get to join, which is only for members where we also hang out, we answer questions, we try to help people, etc. And for the people who want to get the absolute best, we actually have a platinum version of Atari Hacker Pro that includes a platinum community that has events. So we have regular calls with the members, we do Q&As, we have guests, we do tactic breakdowns. So a lot of the tactics we talked about uh, today and also in next podcasts have been actually revealed to platinum members, sometimes a couple of months ago, even as we were working on them. And there is also an SOP library in there. So if you have a team, you will be able to give them these SOPs and they'll be able to apply the stuff that we teach without necessarily you having to go through this. So that's basically Atari Hacker Pro in a nutshell. It's a lot of stuff. If you want more information, go on atarihacker.com slash pro and you'll find all the information when it opens. Make sure you put your email if you come before the opening. So that's pretty much Atari Hacker Pro. It's a lot of stuff. Okay, so let's go back to the topic. Mark, any final words of wisdom if people want to kind of like level up their link building and just change these gears? Like, where would you start? I would start by making a list of the hundred sites in your niche that are somewhat realistic to get a link from that you want to get a link from. And then I would go through each of them and I would say, how the hell are we going to get a link from this site? Do we know someone who works there? Do we know, do we have a friend of a friend that can introduce us? If not, who in that organization can we talk to that might be interested in doing something? What value can we offer them in terms of the content for a guest post? Is there some kind of collaboration? What might they want from us? Who can we introduce them to? All these kind of things. And then I work through it that way. And I would just try and get some of these links, like experiment, play around with it. It's okay to send a message. And if it's like, doesn't really resonate with them, doesn't get any response, follow-ups don't work. Fine, you can reach out to someone else in that company next year. It's not a big deal, but you need to just like practice this and send a hundred or so of these messages out before you get any good at it. And then you'll be able to start doing all these other cool tactics with, you know, linkable assets and, and things like that with a lot more confidence. Okay, cool. One last thing I want to say, if you want to get a chat GPT prompt to generate outreach emails, I'm going to put one in the show notes. So go on notoryhacker.com slash podcast and check for this podcast episode show notes. And there will be a box with a prompt that you can use to generate customized, personalized outreach templates using ChatGPT for free. So you guys can go and grab this one there. Thank you guys for listening. Don't forget, check out Atari Hacker Pro on atarihacker.com slash pro. Sign up to the email list and we'll see you in two weeks for the podcast on the AI Blueprint and on the AI Survey. See you in two weeks.